In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins to God our Father, asking him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. Holy and merciful Father, I confess that I am by nature sinful and that I have disobeyed you in my thoughts, words, and actions. I have done what is evil and failed to do what is good. For this I deserve your punishment, both now and in eternity. But I am truly sorry for my sins and trusting in my Savior, Jesus Christ, I pray. Lord, have mercy on me. A Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. In his great mercy, God made us alive in Christ even when we were dead in our sins. Hear the word of Christ through his called servant. I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise. In God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? In God, in God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise, in God I trust I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me?
The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, you preserve the teaching of the Apostolic Church through the confession of the true faith at Augsburg. Continue to cast the bright beams of your light upon your church that we, being instructed by the doctrine of the blessed apostles, may walk in the light of your truth and finally attain to the light of everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The first lesson for the commemoration of the presentation of the Augsburg Confession is written in the book of the prophet Nehemiah, chapter 8. And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women and all who could understand what they heard, on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it, facing the square before the water gate, from early morning till midday in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. And all the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they had made for the purpose. And beside, beside him stood Mattathiah, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, Maasiah on his right hand, and Pediah, Mishael, Melchijah, Hashem, Hashbadana, Zechariah, and Meshulam on his left hand. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And as he opened it, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shabbatai, Hodiah, Maasiah, Kelita, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, Peliah, the Levites, helped the people to understand the law while the people remained in their places. They read from the book, from the law of God, clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way. Eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed the people, saying, Be quiet, for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing, because they had understood the words that were declared to them. This is the word of the Lord. 
Thanks be to God. Great is the Lord and The second lesson is written in St. Paul's first letter to Timothy, chapter 6. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please stand. Alleluia. I will speak of your testimonies before kings and shall not be put to shame. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 10th chapter. Glory be to Jesus. So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will, be, will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, for you are of more valuable than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, 
I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. This is the Gospel of the Lord.
Grace and peace to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. Our Lord Jesus has given us a promise that those who confess him before men, he will confess before his Father in heaven. In other words, it's the promise of salvation that at the last, Jesus will plead your case. He'll vouch for you. He'll say to the Father, this one's mine. He's with me. He won't say that about everyone. For of those who deny him, Jesus says, I will say, I don't know him. Just like a couple Sundays ago, two Sundays ago, we saw that what happens after death at the last judgment depends upon what happens in this life. Poor Lazarus had nothing, but he believed Moses and the prophets. He believed the Holy Scriptures. The rich man had everything, but he did not believe and therefore burned in agony in the flames of hell. So today, we see that the way things go before men here mirrors the way things will go before God. But here's some good news. We're not the first to go down this road. For example, we have the, ex the example of Peter. Peter, who denied even knowing Jesus, he failed to confess, but he mourned his error, and Jesus received him back, called him a brother, and later on, Peter did clearly confess before the crowds on the day of Pentecost and on others. And especially today, we have this marvelous example of the Christian confessors at Augsburg on this day in 1530. Jesus says, whoever acknowledges me before men, the men in that case were the officials of the Holy Roman Emperor, and particularly the Emperor himself, Charles V. The confession they made is what we call the Augustana, or the Augsburg Confession. They stood before him and read it twice, once in Latin, once in German. The confessors were the princes of the territories of, German, of Germany. Their, their example is a gift to us. For it's true that times have changed, but the word of our Lord remains forever. That is, Jesus' promise still stands. He says, whoever acknowledges me before men. I would guess that you are likely never to stand before such a prestigious figure as Charles V to confess your faith. But Jesus' words aren't that specific to this occasion. Jesus says, just says, who confesses me before men. 
He could just as easily have in mind a servant girl in the high priest's court who asked Peter if he was with Jesus. It could be thinking of Pontius Pilate who questioned Jesus, who did confess clearly. But this could just as easily be talking about your family members, your co-workers, your friends, or your neighbors. It doesn't really matter who it is, and, and it's not really something that you choose, for they will come and ask, perhaps not kindly, not out of curiosity. In his words right before our gospel text today, Jesus plainly tells his disciples that persecution is going to come to them. We Americans are quite fond of, and we are rightly protective of the whole notion of religious liberty. And we're grateful to live in a country that has established that as a basic civic right in our land. So it's good. But it isn't something that Jesus ever promises or leads us to expect. In fact, what Jesus promises to us to his Christians is rather the opposite. Jesus never had religious liberty and Jesus said no servant is above his master. The Lutheran princes who, con- who read their confession 493 years ago today, they weren't trying to pick a fight. They weren't trying to promote their cause. They weren't even trying to start a new religion. They had been summoned there before the emperor to court, as it were. And they weren't in danger of being shamed on social media or losing their tax-exempt status or losing some friends. They knew exactly what was at stake with their confession. When these individuals arrived at Augsburg to stand before the emperor, and the emperor gave them his orders. His orders included, one, that there was to be no Lutheran preaching in the city while they were there, and two, they were to march in the Corpus Christi parade, which was happening that week. One of them, named George, the Margrave of Brandenburg, replied to the emperor, Before I let anyone take from me the word of God and ask me to deny my God, I will kneel and let him strike off my head. How could one be so bold? Unless he has Jesus' promise, Jesus' word. For indeed, the emperor was quite capable of striking with the sword, cut off their heads kill their bodies. But that's all. He could do no more. Beyond the grave, they knew they belonged to Jesus and they are safe. Don't be afraid, Jesus says. Not even the sparrows fall apart from me and you are more valuable than they. So they stand. They confess boldly before men because they confess Christ. Whoever acknowledges me before men, 
Jesus says. The word our Bible translations uh, use as acknowledge is actually the word confess. The word confess means to say with, or it means to say the same thing. So to confess me is to confess Christ, is to simply say the same thing that God says about Jesus. So when Peter does give his great confession, he says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That was in answer to Jesus' question, who do men say that I am? Who do you say that I am? See, the great thing about this, this confessing Christ, is that you don't have to make anything up. You don't have to come up here with your own convincing testimonial. You don't have to develop the right, proper argument and answer all the questions. To confess Christ is simply to say what God says. To recount what God has done. To simply say who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. To acknowledge how all of this, what Jesus has done, comes to you and how you know it to be true. A good confession. The best confession is one that puts Christ and his work at the center of it, giving him all the credit, all the glory for your salvation, and therefore giving maximum comfort to the sinner, to you. This is why the Augsburg Confession is really unsurpassed. Because it confesses Christ. I think this is best illustrated by, by a painting. And actually there are, there are dozens of these paintings, all very similar but slightly different. One of them is depicted on the, on the cover of your ordo. Most of them come from the 17th century, about 100 years after the Reformation. And they were commonly hung, displayed in Lutheran churches all across Europe. It depicts the presentation of the Augsburg Confession, this event. Like I said, all of them have similar features. They all basically show the same thing. My favorite one is the one that's in Leipzig. And it does, just like the one on your cover, it shows the presentation of the Augsburg Confession with Charles V on his throne, the confessors all around it. But in that one, they're off on the side. And they're pointing. While they're giving their confession, they're pointing to the books that they're re reading from. They're also pointing to the center in this painting. And in the center is Christ, crucified. On the cross, above the altar that his people are surrounded, his blood flowing into the chalice that's on the altar, another stream of his blood flowing to the baptismal font, where children are baptized into Christ's death. And surrounding Christ and the altar are all other aspects of what the churches of the Augsburg believe, teach, and confess in their churches. Demonstrating that their whole life in church, their whole lives as Christians, their whole confession is centered on Christ and his saving work.
they confessed Christ before men because Christ was central, was everything, because they trusted his promise. Everyone who confesses me before men. Everyone, Jesus says. Which means not just his apostles. And not just German princes, not just pastors, or smart people, or important people. Who is to confess? Everyone. You. The confessors at Augsburg were princes and rulers. But it's something worthwhile to note. They weren't preachers. Luther wasn't even there. He couldn't be. He was an outlaw. He was hidden away. The confession was written by Melanchthon, who was a university professor, but not a priest. The princes were laymen. They were not teachers or preachers. These were the ones who sat in the pews. And they listened. And they became convinced that this teaching that they were hearing from the pulpit was true and according to the Scriptures. They just happened to be in charge of territories and duchies and cities. This is not that much different than you are in your own house, in your own little castle and territory. They listened and they believed and then they stood up before men and they said, this is ours and our preachers. It shows from the Holy Scriptures and God's pure word what has up to this time presented in our lands, cities, and taught in our churches. As if they said like Joshua, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is why we're marking this day. This confession of Christ does not belong to German princes or Lutheran pastors or historical scholars. It belongs to you. It's yours. It's not a confession for 1530, but for today, to confess before men who come asking us, perhaps summoning us, even forcing us to give an answer. So we should know what it says. I'll give you a hint. It will say nothing different than what you've learned from the catechism. It's all about Christ. Jesus has given you a promise. This promise does not depend on your knowledge, on your works, on your words, or anything in you. That's the whole point. It depends on him. On his blood that washes you clean and feeds you with forgiveness and comforts you. And because of this, because of what Christ has done, you confess him. And because of this, he will confess you as he has promised. Amen. Please stand.
peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We join now in confessing the Christian faith today using selections from the Augsburg Confession. We'll read this together. The churches among us teach with complete unanimity that the decree of the Council of Nicaea concerning the unity of the divine essence and concerning the three persons is true and is to be believed without any doubt. That is to say, there is one divine essence which is called God and is God, eternal, incorporeal, indivisible, of immeasurable power, wisdom, and goodness, the creator and preserver of all things, visible and invisible. Yet there are three persons, co-eternal and of the same essence and power, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Likewise, they teach that the Word, that is, the Son of God, took upon himself human nature in the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary, so that there might be two natures, divine and human, inseparably conjoined in the unity of one person, one Christ, truly God and truly a human, being born of the Virgin Mary, who truly suffered, was crucified, died, and was buried, that he might reconcile the Father to us and be a sacrifice not only for original guilt, but also for all actual sins of human beings. He also descended into hell, and on the third day he was truly resurrected. Thereafter he ascended into heaven in order to sit at the right hand of the Father, and he will reign forever and have dominion over all creatures. He will sanctify those who believe in him by sending into their hearts the Holy Spirit, who will rule, console, and make them alive and defend them against the devil and the power of sin. The same Christ will publicly return to judge the living and the dead. They also teach that at the consummation of the world, Christ will appear for judgment and will bring to life all the dead. He will give eternal life and endless joy to the righteous and elect, but he will condemn the ungodly and the devils to endless torment. Likewise, they teach that one holy church will remain forever. The church is the assembly of saints in which the gospel is taught purely and the sacraments are rightly and it is enough for the true unity of the church to agree concerning the teaching of the gospel and the administration of the sacraments. It is not necessary that human traditions, rites or ceremonies instituted by human beings be alike everywhere. As St. Paul said, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all.
Let us pray for the whole Church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Generous Father, you have redeemed us from sin, death, and the devil through the bitter sufferings and death of your Son on the cross. Grant that by the Holy Spirit we may recognize the poverty and blindness of our sins, repent and gladly hear and obey your word. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Almighty God, the fear of you is the beginning of all wisdom. Bless the churches of the Augsburg Confession throughout the world, that they may ever confess the truth of your word in the midst of all adversities. Strengthen and protect all pastors and servants of the church, especially our synod president, our district president, that the gospel may be faithfully proclaimed among us and the sacraments administered according to Christ's institution. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, Holy Lord, grant wisdom to all those in authority over us, and all who make, administer, and judge our laws. May they be guided by your will to walk according to your commandments, that we may serve and worship you in all blessedness and quietness. Bless and protect all those who serve in our armed forces, that they would fulfill their duties with integrity and honor. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Merciful Father, you daily and richly bless us with all things needful for this body and life. Grant that we, thankful for the abundant gifts you have given to us in your Son, may joyfully share all we have with our neighbor in need. Bless all those who serve the poor, the hungry, and the homeless, that their vocations of care may be a reflection of your fatherly love. Lord, in your mercy. Gracious Lord, the Savior of the brokenhearted and consoler of those crushed in spirit, grant to all those who are suffering in body and soul a sure and certain hope of your steadfast love for them in Christ Jesus. Look in mercy upon them, that they would be strengthened to trust in you amid all trials and temptations, and granted healing according to your will. May we ever cry to you for help and deliverance and find our refuge in you alone. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly good and right that we should at all times and in all places give you thanks, O Lord, Holy Father, almighty and everlasting God. For you have mightily governed and protected your holy church, in which the blessed apostles and evangelists proclaimed your divine and saving gospel. Therefore, with patriarchs and prophets, apostles and evangelists, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying,
Almighty God, endless is your mercy and eternal is your reign. Out of love you created us and everything which exists. In mercy you preserved the church in Noah's day with a flood. In grace you promised to bless us through Abraham's seed. With patience you protected that seed through the judges and kings of Israel. In faithfulness you repeated your promises through the prophets. And when the time had fully come, you sent your son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law with a perfect and sufficient sacrifice, which paid the price for the sins of the entire world. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Therefore, gracious Lord, we bow before you in thankfulness for your many and varied gifts. For Christ's redemptive death, his victorious resurrection, his ascension promises, and his powerful reign at your right hand. Bolstered by your endless grace and Pentecost spirit, we eagerly await his glorious return. Taught by our Lord and trusting his promises, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
God the Father, source of all goodness, in your loving kindness you sent your Son to share our humanity. We thank you that through him you have given us pardon and peace in this sacrament. We also pray that you will not forsake us, but will rule our hearts and minds by your Holy Spirit, so that we willingly serve you day after day. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace.
Good morning and welcome. This morning, I would like to acknowledge a number of individuals who in the last couple of, last several months, have completed uh, learning the whole small, Luther's small catechism by heart and reciting it. Um, so I'm going to list off their names and they can come up, they'll receive a certificate acknowledging this, quite, a, quite an accomplishment, uh, and then a gift a copy of their own copy of the Book of Concord which contains Luther's small catechism, as well as the Augsburg Confession. Uh, so it's kind of a fitting day now to acknowledge that they've recited the whole catechism. Now they can move on uh, to learning the, the Augsburg Confession. So if you'd like to come up, um, this is in order that they, that they completed. Josiah Riggi, Logan Herrick, Haley Rosa, Isaac Tim, Alex Tim, and Ruth Cowley. Which is fine. You guys can find your. Grab your copy. Perhaps it'd be a, a appropriate to encourage them, congratulate them, that we would show that with a round of applause. Good job. Thank you. God be with you.